Good evening and welcome to the Lost Lake Farmer podcast. I'm Kevin. I am still sick. <clears throat> My voice probably sounds like I'm sick a little bit right now, but I'm driving in the truck, so there's probably a little bit less background sound than usual. I went to uh, Blue Stem Organic Feed Mill, which is about maybe 10 miles from our house. I'm pretty lucky. Uh, buy some uh, minerals for the cows, Redmond salt and minerals. And while I'm doing this, uh, new employee Ben is milking on his own. So I am pretty pleased about that. And... I've been reading a book called, is it Reproduction and Animal Health by Gerald Fry and Charles Walters. I referenced some of the, some of this stuff when I was talking about visual assessment of cows. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting to read. So I'm curious, I would, I would like to do the, he's, he talks about very specific linear measurements and specific ratios between the, the rump width and the uh, top, and the top, top line length. And uh, I, I can't cite them off, offhand what they are exactly, but he has all these specific uh, measurements of, Rump width, rump, rump length, neck length, uh, shoulder width, shoulder height, thurl height, which is the thurls are those kind of hip hip bones that stick out. So you measure from the from the floor to to there, and then from there to their to their the top of their back. That that ratio as I think they he has a, a certain ratio it's supposed to be of the total height or something like that um, and he has what what each of these things how they they relate to their fertility or their calving ability or and some things mean one thing in a bull and something different in a cow and things like that so it's um, very interesting, and I'd like to, to measure it in some of my, my cows and then see, uh, especially in the older cows that I have have a lot of years of data on, how it how it correlates to my cows. He's, he mostly worked in beef herds, uh, though he, he claims it should be, be uh, the same ratios should stand true for, for dairy cows as well. So, I don't know. I guess just makes me wonder. But I want to finish up talking about breeds and hopefully not ramble too long. Although I already uh, didn't start out on a great foot there. I got to work on being more brief, I think, and not getting on tangents as much. So I just, I want to summarize 
you know, so, so I talked about all these, all the different breeds we brought in as cows and the breeds were crossing to, uh, as the, the bull genetics and, um, following in kind of going with, with purebred or, or in the case of the Normandy working more and more towards a, a full, full-blooded uh, Normandy over the generations um, and then others where I'm doing the, the three-way cross um, or three-way sort of rotation and then the the Frisian, New Zealand Frisians that, that were basically going towards a Kiwi cross on and so the the overall theme of that is getting um more more genetic diversity into our herd so we're sort of spreading wide and far collecting data and observing a lot and then um calling the ones regardless of breeding that are not working out for health, fertility, or production reasons. And eventually we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, I can't tell you what, what I'll be doing in 20 years, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in 20 years, hopefully, I'll, I'll have a, hopefully in 20 years, I'll have a better idea of what strategy I want to follow. And hopefully it'll be one of these. Maybe it'll be something, be something completely different. So I see sort of one of multiple, multiple options, either the, one of these options, these sort of different branches will, will kind of outcompete the rest and it'll be that then eventually we'll have everything will be the three-way breed rotation or, or um, you know, maybe with a few holdouts from the Frisians or who knows, or maybe every, everything will be, you know, maybe we'll end up going all Brown Swiss in the future or all Normandy. Um and so I can see those different options being possibilities. And then the other possibility I can see is that we follow these, all these routes, and we continue to cull and get the, keep the female lines that are working really well, get rid of the ones that aren't working well, continue to bring in really good bull, but good male lines to improve until I feel like we really like what we want and then um, take from the very best one or, or one or two and, and, and start keeping our own bulls and start doing line breeding. And then, so, so if you see, if you think of it as now we're, we're expanding, getting ever wider in our, in our genetic diversity um, 
and then and then or we have been but now we're starting to already with culling we're narrowing that down a little bit uh but but we're still adding in um outside genetics through the ai bowls and but we're like unless i'm greatly hugely surprised i i i don't expect to be bringing in any more airshire or norwegian red um so i guess i you know i've kind of narrowed my breed options that i'm bringing in a little bit excuse me need to wet my throat <clears> throat> to be able to continue talking um and and then by by line breeding then we're we're saying okay we really like what we have and we want to start concentrating our genetics and making our our herd more more uniform and then um essentially then we would be creating our own sort of land race or lost lake farm breed or uh, you know we're too small a herd to actually call it a breed but you know kind of our own sort of little variety of of cattle um although i do in, imagine if if i'd started line breeding that i i probably would every every few generations i would still want to bring in some outside genetics um we'd have to have to see i don't you know i'm still still learning on on that uh just because we don't have a very big herd size um and so those are the different ways i foresee it going over the decades um and um the other thing i want to talk about just briefly is um a, a little bit of my analysis of of why i'm using the breeds i am um you know i guess i sort of talked about you know brown swiss is that we used it because it was locally available but the other reason i really like brown swiss is um because of their sort of mountain roots and their roots in in uh, alpine cheese making um which is you know two emmentaler and alpine are both types that would have come from those types of breeds not there are some other alpine breeds but those are some some of the breeds um and um they have uh really good solids for cheese making so a uh, good high high fat and protein and um they also have a high percentage of the A2A2 uh genotype which we're selecting only bulls from that which is that's one of the nice things about AI is that you can select for things like that and the uh, big B big B um kappa casein uh genotype which is good for cheese cheese making uh on the protein side and 
Um, and the same thing can be said for the Normandy breed. Both those are, there's a high percentage of them. And so that means that within the bulls, you, if you're selecting only for those two things, um, you still have a number of bulls to choose from. Um, and um, of course, they're pretty. Uh, the, the thing I don't like about the Brown Swiss, the U.S. Brown Swiss as a whole is they tend to be um, on an average th- a very large frame size. And so that's one of the main reasons that I was hesitant to use them as a sort as a purebred. Um, but you can select from within there for the smaller frame size bulls, for one thing. Um, and then the other thing is that the the original brown fee, um, both the Schweitzer brown fee, which is from the from Switzerland, and the the Austrian version and, and the German version, all those are more of a multi-purpose cow that are, are uh, a little bit more like the the body type that I'm actually looking for, and. Um, so I wish, I'm sure somebody is importing that semen, but I haven't found it, uh, commercially available. Um, and so there was one herd in in Germany I worked with that, that had, uh, the, actually the, the Austrian strain. So he was in Southern Germany, but he would go to breeders in in Austria, and he would buy um, bull calves that he would raise as his um, as his herd sire uh, for for breeding. So he didn't do AI, um, and I think that's where he got his original cows from as well. And um, the the Normandy breed has it it has a long history also in cheese making in uh, in northern France that's where the Camembert de Normandie, Normandie uh, the sort of original Camembert comes from and to be called that um, I that cheese identity which you know, legally only from that region, and it has to also be made by the, that breed of cow. Um, and so that's a good advantage. Those cows also have, um, they're known for a really good temperament and um, a uh, and to be good on grass and, and have good health health characteristics, be a pretty hardy, hardy animal. Um, and also be a really good, well, originally they were triple purpose, so meat, milk, and draft, but um, they're a good dual purpose, and there have been studies done even recently in Morris, Minnesota, they did a study of where they were comparing different crossbeds, and the ones with Normandy in them had had a better meat quality than uh, some of the other crosses. Um, and because we were originally thinking meat would be 
a bigger beef would be a bigger portion of of our of our farm um and it still could become in the future um and um yeah so that's those two breeds uh the new zealand frisian um i kind of think of it like a a a jersey in holstein clothes because they're they're small they they have they're colored like a holstein but they're the size of a jersey they they have higher fat content than a traditional holstein um but they're they're still a lot less a lot lower than a than a jersey um and in new zealand just because of how their agriculture is done they're all all dairy in new zealand is grass-based um if not 100 percent grass-fed depends on the farm or the region um and then uh similarly with the new zealand jersey that they're selecting um more for performance on grass um and so the reason i was wanting to bring in jersey was to increase the protein and fat even more and to bring down our average frame size because both the normandy and the the brown swiss are fairly large large breeds um so i was thinking if we did a three-way including the Jer- the jersey in there i would bring that average down um of course that heifer that is half jersey um then there's the issue of that she's not quite full size so you don't really you don't really want to necessarily have a holstein uh, not a holstein a, a normandy or a brown swiss um bred to her for that first calf because it might be too big a calf because uh, sire has to do with calf size more than dam generally um just to so that she doesn't have calving issues that as a as a heifer um but so in those cases i'm uh either breathing breeding them to them to jersey again which is not ideal because then i'm getting three-quarter jersey which is more jersey than i want or i'm i'm uh breeding them to beef which is probably the direction i want to go yeah, selecting calving ease beef bowls to use for that um the and a, a lot of if you look out at, at the sort of the grass-fed movement here uh in the u.s a lot of herds have been selecting jersey for that because of their small frame size and there are a lot of advantages they're supposedly better a better grazing cow but it kind of depends on which jersey old there i also know of people that have had jerseys that are just a major dairy type that just without a lot of grain they just fall apart because they are such a high producing cow that they they'll be skin and bones if they they'll produce whether you're feeding that grain or not and they'll they'll take it from their own body condition so you have to be careful about what jersey genetics you use the other thing as a cheesemaker um the fat globule size of Jersey fat, milk fat is bigger, which means that he has to have higher fat percentage 
but it, it's a little bit harder to get all of that fat um, to stay in the cheese. It likes to go out into the way. It's a little bit more sensitive um, to agitation and all sorts of things. Um, and like I've already noticed since we've had more of these Jersey crosses in this summer that we get on our milk filter where the milk goes into the tank, we've had more fat collecting on that filter. And I attribute that to, to these more jerseys in our herd. So I'm not sure what to think about that. Um, Ayrshire is a good all around cow, traditional good dairy cow. Um, and, um, good health traits, good milk, but not extreme, like a Holstein, uh, nice confirmation. And, um, I, I just love the red and white coloring also. And, um, and they're a little bit more moderate in size is the other thing I like about that breed. And, um, but they, they don't necessarily have the, the, the protein and fat <clears throat> uh, advantages of say a Normandy. And, um, yeah, I guess we don't, we haven't had very many of those. And so we, we don't have a great comparison there. So I think I've talked enough about enough of the breeds that we, that we use. I've talked about the, the major ones. Uh, so that'll be it. I think that's enough. That, that will be the end of my series on cow breeds for now. Talk to you tomorrow.